there's one person who characterizes our age. It is this man. Now, I don't know what you think of him, and we're not going to put our hands up to say what we think of him, but there is something that I have a degree of sympathy with him on. You see, as a world leader, and arguably as the world leader, I imagine he meets a lot of people. And he meets a lot of people from a lot of different cultural backgrounds in a lot of different places. And in every culture, and in every situation, you are expected to greet people in the right way. After all, you are a global leader. And of course, this varies from culture to culture. And I have sympathy because he often doesn't quite get it right. Sometimes he tries to take control. Sometimes he just does it a bit wrong and a bit weird. <laughs> Sometimes, frankly, it just all looks crazy. And sometimes, where I have real sympathy, is it's almost as if he has no idea what he should do. <laughs> and I particularly resonate with him in this photo. Because if you're anything like me, how on earth do we navigate the whole social kissing thing? Can I just say, how many in the room struggle with this in a social environment? You're not sure quite how to navigate the whole kissing, greeting thing. Put your hands up if you're the same as me. Great, I'm not alone. The French call it la bise, the kiss. You know what it's like? You enter a social gathering and you're not quite sure what is right to do. I've done some research on this for us all. Apparently in northern France, you do two kisses. In eastern Brittany, just one. In Nantes, four. In Provence, three. Italy, in general, it's two, but regions vary. Switzerland and Belgium, three. Glasgow, can I say, avoid a Glasgow kiss. <laughs> let alone how many kisses, then, of course, the question is, which cheek? Which cheek do you go for? And apparently the research says, in la bise, there is no correct answer, but you are safest if you go for their left cheek first and go confident. That's the key. And apparently, you're only actually supposed to kiss as opposed to just vaguely touch cheeks. You're only supposed to kiss if you really are close to them or they're a deep friend or family. And as for the noise, <laughs> I have no idea whether you should be silent or do a full-on mwah, I don't know. <laughs> I do remember, we, Claire and I uh, went to visit uh, some friends of ours, a good friend of Claire's who had got together with a French guy, and I remember us going to Toulouse to meet him for the first time. And Claire and I had a conversation as we kind of came into land. She was fine. She knew how to go for it because, you know, that was no problems. But I was thinking, how do I do this? We're in France. I should do as the French, all that sort of stuff. So we went, and I can still remember sitting in this arrivals lounge. And there he came, Christophe, lovely guy. Claire greeting first, big kisses, three, I think it was. Fantastic. So I went 
in for the kiss, and his reaction was hilarious. He went, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently there's a book that comes out next month by an ambassador that gives us all the answers to this. So why go into all of this this morning? Well, today we continue our series that we're looking at over the summer called There Is No Them, Only Us, in which we are looking at the earliest Christians and some of the commands in the New Testament about how to live in relationship with one another. And all through the summer, we're looking at various sayings about one another, love one another, encourage one another, bear with one another, which we looked at last week. And today's one another is the second most frequently discussed one. Here's a few examples. Greet one another with a holy kiss. It says it twice. Or greet all God's people with a holy kiss. In fact, five times in the New Testament, there is this command for the church to greet one another with a holy kiss. It's a strange saying. And even as we were planning the series, we kind of scratched our heads and thought, isn't this a bit weird to do on a Sunday morning? But it's the second most frequently mentioned one, so perhaps we ought to. And so today, we're simply going to say, what does this mean for us today? What does it look like in the 21st century? And can I go straight off the bat to highlight something? I want to highlight the word holy. <laughs> we did this last week at our Bourneville site. Someone very amusingly came up to me afterwards and said, do you know what the difference between a holy kiss and a normal kiss is? About five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember... I grew up in church where we were in youth groups, and I remember having a discussion with my friends about what kind of kissing we could get away with in church and whether it was deemed holy or not. That is not what we're on about, okay? Get that out of your mind. But I also think it's worth saying that I am aware that it could well be that for some people in this room now, that this verse, these concepts, bring up all sorts of terrible, horrific, horrible memories from their past because of things that have been done to them in the name of God. We don't have to look very far in the news or some places in the world to think of scandals in Ireland or some of the cult groups uh, or other things in which things like this have been massively twisted and distorted to justify all sorts of evil. Suffice to say, that sort of despicable behavior is so far away from what the New Testament means. But if this does bring up stuff for you, can I say you are welcome here? This is a safe place where you can feel at home. And I want to say that as I've looked at this, the more I've burrowed into what this could mean for us today, the more I've been strangely moved about how applicable this is for all of us today. And I want to contrast this with another famous kiss in the Bible. Let me read it to you from Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. Here it is. Jesus is praying at the foot of the Mount of Olives in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus went out as usual, Luke writes, to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? I want to com simply compare the two perspectives 
this kiss and the holy kiss that we are called to greet one another with. And even this morning, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're just kind of at church or you're, just, you're not really familiar with the story or you're just kind of getting into things, I want to suggest even here for you, there is profound advice for all our relationships, whether you call yourself a follower of Jesus or not. And one final thing by way of introduction, I want to suggest that actually the emphasis is not on the word kiss at all. It is simply taking a familiar gesture in society and making it holy, making it set apart for other purposes. It's making a normal gesture, a handshake, a hug, a hello, and setting it apart. As one author says, it's taking from the world and sanctifying it, devoting it to God, making it say something about him. So, four things that I think greet one another with a holy kiss that it might apply for all of us today. And here's the first one. I think it's a calling to have relationships of peace, not war. The contrast between Judas's kiss and the holy kiss is so clear, isn't it? Look again at Judas. He approached Jesus to kiss him, and Jesus says, Judas, are you betraying me with a kiss? Almost saying, it's not betraying me, you're betraying me with a kiss? This is not an act of peace, this is an act of war. Contrast that with Paul writing to the church in Corinth. Brothers and sisters, rejoice, strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. The God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a kiss. And of course, the intimate thing about a kiss is that it is very close. And of course, you're there opening yourself up. It's vulnerable. You're opening yourself to be hurt. And here is a calling simply for God's people to be a safe place so that when people come into our gatherings, they know this is a place that is not at war with each other or with them. This is a place of peace, a place of embrace. Which is why some Christian traditions in their services extend what is called the peace. You may know in some churches they have a time where they go up to each other and extend peace to one another. And we're going to do that at the end. Because it's not just a formal gesture. It is actually saying something very profound. That you that I am now greeting, there is no war between us. We are friends. We are one. We're at peace. This is the call to have relationships of peace, not war. You can't greet someone with a holy kiss if you've got a knife in your hand to stab them in the back. So, it's a calling for peace, not war. But the second aspect of this, it's a calling to have relationships that are close, not distant. Look again at Judas's kiss. Judas is the one that comes in from the outside because, of course, what has he been doing? He's been plotting and conniving to betray the Son of Man. And which is why Jesus says, you betray me with a kiss. This is not just about betraying. Of all things, Judas, you betray me with a kiss. 
because a kiss is a moment of intimacy. It's closeness. And this is a call, therefore, when we read Paul's words to the church in Corinth. Look again, look how he expresses it. The church in the province of Asia send you greetings. They greet you warmly in the Lord. So does the church that meets in their house. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. There's deep intimacy, closeness. There are family, real warmth here. What's beautiful uh, here at Riverside is that often you get people coming in new to Riverside and expressing how much of a family it is. How welcome they feel Because there's such an embrace, not necessarily a physical embrace, but a sense of, wow, I belong here. Thank you for that welcome. And so what does it mean to have relationships that are close, not distant? Well, it could mean a number of things, couldn't it? What about at school or at college? Are we willing to extend our welcome, our community, to those that nobody else extends them to? To those that are on the outside, the misfits? What about at work? Are we willing to get alongside and sit at lunch with the person that nobody else does? It's just a little bit awkward. What about here at church? Actually, maybe extending close relationships is is being on the lookout every time we come into any gathering for the person that is new, the person that is on the outside, the person that doesn't seem to know their way around. And rather than just chatting to our friends, going to them to say, hey, come on in, let me get alongside you. Let me sit with you. That kind of welcome. I heard a story recently, I won't embarrass them because they're here in the room right now, of a couple that started coming along and the very first time they came, they were greeted in the car park and then brought in by that person in the car park, sat with, spoken to, and as a result, they want to get plugged in here. Why? Because then a welcome has been extended, a sense of family and friendship because they were new, but come on. It's a call to close relationships, real family. Extending a greeting with a holy kiss is about closeness. Come on in to my world as brothers and sisters, as family. So that's the second thing. Relationships of peace, not war. Relationships of closeness, not distance. But thirdly, I wonder if it suggests this. Extending a greeting with a holy kiss is a call to have relationships with real vulnerability, not setting up barriers. Look again at Judas's kiss. Jesus went out to pray. Crowd comes up. Judas comes with the strong crowd, the ones who are armed and greets with a kiss. This is a show of strength, not vulnerability. Which is why Jesus rightly says, what? A kiss? And you've come with an army? Compare that to Paul's letter to Corinth. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. That word one mind has connotations of thinking of ourselves in the right way. It's the same phrase of when elsewhere in the New Testament it talks about having the right view of yourself, not thinking of yourself too highly. And in a greeting and an embrace and in a sense of connection, there is a vulnerability that is right and appropriate. Barriers come down, masks come off. And friends, church is just that place. 
where we can be really, really real. Not thinking of ourselves too highly so that we have to pretend that we've got it all together and come in with a sort of swagger that we know is not real. Or the other way around, think I'm the only one. Look at all these strong people and deep down that is not true either. There's a beauty in the church where we can admit and own that we are weak, flawed, frail people. All sorts of baggage in the room right now. All sorts of baggage in my heart and in yours. We are vulnerable. And when we extend that vulnerability, it's a sign of real grace. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. Friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. An openness to be real, warts and all. There's a duplicity to Judas's kiss. He's got something else on his mind. Whereas the holy kiss is one of real openness. We're all flawed. We're all weak, but we have a savior who deals with our weakness. So therefore, what does it look like to be vulnerable? Maybe in our life groups or our community groups, it means that we don't have to pretend that we understand or we know the Bible so well or, or that actually we can't just be honest and say, actually, I'm really struggling with this. Or really owning when there's struggles in your life that you're just not sure, questions you have, rather than just thinking, oh, everyone else seems to have it all together because trust me, they don't. <laughs> Vulnerability is a gift because it extends an open door to someone else to say, what, you too? Brilliant, let's walk together. So friends, Do I always put up a mask? Do you always put up a mask? There's no need to here. So, relationships of peace. Relationships of closeness. Relationships of real vulnerability. But fourthly and finally, and I wonder if this one's a biggie for us in the 21st century. Called to have relationships of sacrifice, not manipulation. Look again at Judas's kiss. He has one thing on his mind that is to show to the people that will murder him who Jesus is. The kiss is so far removed of what the kiss should be. But the interesting thing is when you see this and then you think about what was going on in Jesus' mind and heart and in John's gospel we read the encounter of what happens before this. Where the story in John chapter 13, Jesus washing his disciples' feet. And what is stunning about that moment, washing his disciples' feet before he then goes to pray, is who is in the room when he washes their feet? Listen to these words. John 13, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And then begins this moment... Jesus knew what was happening and then we read these words. He washes all of the disciples' feet, including Judas. And then after that act, we read these words. Jesus told Judas, what you're about to do, do quickly. Here is Judas coming to kiss him, to betray him. And just moments before, Jesus, knowing what Judas does, stoops to bow down with a different gesture, not a kiss but are washing his feet with that supreme act of service and sacrifice to the one who would betray him. 
And it's only when we get that sacrifice, all that Jesus has done for us, because of course it led then beyond that to the cross, where with that one moment for the whole world, he says, I will put aside all your duplicity and this act of sacrifice. It's only when we grasp that or we realize that we're able to then have relationships that are not about me at all. Relationships of sacrifice, not manipulation. I wonder if this is a big thing in our society, in which we have transactional relationships so often. And I think the call to greet one another with a holy kiss is to live a different way. So in our society, I invite you to dinner so that you'll invite me back. I give gifts so that I never know, you know, I might get good ones back. I give you kind words just with the hope that then you might say something nice about me. It's about me, it's transactional. Often in business you cultivate relationships for what you can get out of them, not for what you can put into it. And I think greeting one another with a holy kiss is saying, I will put you before me in this relationship, in this church, in our lives. Because that's what Jesus did. And when we realize he's done all that for me, wow, I want to extend it to you. And we want to extend it to each other. Which, of course, then comes full circle to the kind of greetings we give. Should I hug someone? Well, it depends if it's about me or them, honestly. If I know, actually, it's not going to be good for them, that's about me. In this kind word that I speak to someone, if I'm saying it with the hope that they might flatter me back, that's about me, not them. In this action I'm doing, is it about me or them? My friendships, uh, my relationships, what about with our partners, what about with our closest members, our family, our friends? Is it more about what I get out of it? I live in a, grew up in a society where our romantic relationships, Jerry Maguire, you complete me. In other words, I'm with you because of me, what I get out of it. So what could that mean for us practically today? We all know what it's like to be in a conversation with someone and they're always looking beyond us seeing who else is in the room. To greet one another with a holy kiss is to be focused on the person you're talking to. To say there's something other, I'm going to extend it, it's about you, not me. Or, or what about in our relationships when we're talking with someone and are we genuinely listening or are we just listening so that then we can speak? In other words, is it about them or me? What about social media, in the way we use social media, the way we talk about people, the friends we have on social media, the way we kind of posture ourselves? Does it give the impression it's about me or others? I wonder if a particular way this might apply for us, controversial, is that sometimes it's actually very kind to other people to be on time. We're extending a gesture of welcome and sacrifice by being there where others are so that they can feel not alone to church or to gatherings or whatever it is. What about our holidays or what we do on special days? Do we just invite those people we like 
do we extend that invitation beyond us? If we're in a family, do we extend it to those that don't have a family? Want them to be part of our family for it at Christmas or on holiday or wherever it might be? In other words, if an interaction, a greeting, a relationship is about me, that's not a holy gift. Jesus puts Judas first, washes his feet. So a good question as we come to a close in all of our relationships and in all of our gatherings is this. Will this person understand more of the kindness of Jesus by the way I relate to them? As I mentioned last week, I gave the same talk at our Bourneville site. Someone came up to me afterwards, quite moved, and said a huge heartfelt thank you because his wife had been part of a community in which she was very unwell and she had to stop going to that community because people were too huggy. And because of viral infections and stuff like that, she was made to feel unwelcome by the way people treated themselves and found it so welcoming to be in an environment where people were extending a genuine welcome that pointed to Christ. And so I think beyond all else, this is not about kissing at all. It's about being a place of real welcome and belonging for all. So let's continue to be a community in which people feel they really belong and really are at home where the person longing to find a partner realizes that they aren't alone because they have a community that loves them. Where the exhausted mother can come in and hear, you're not alone, we get it, we'll walk with you. Where the man who feels so lonely realizes that he is not alone. Where the young person bullied online realizes they've got a whole army of people behind them cheering them on where the exhausted couple who've reached the end of their tether with each other realize they aren't alone and there's a community standing with them, supporting them, walking with them, praying for them. Where those with disabilities are accepted for who they are, not what society says they can or cannot do. Where we realize that serving on a team expresses something of Jesus' kindness to people. That smile, that handshake, that hello to the one who is broken where any of us realize that we are not them, we are us, because of Christ. That's what it means to greet one another with a holy kiss, to extend the welcome of Jesus to anyone and show them his kindness to them. So I'm going to pray. And then what we're going to do is we are going to share the peace together. Let me explain what that means. In some Christian traditions, they have a moment where in the service, people get up if they're able to and go and say hello to people. And they say a certain thing. They would say, peace be with you. And then the other person would say, peace be with you. And it's an opportunity in this place to say, we are not at war. We're at peace. I'm vulnerable with you. This is about you, not me. For some of us, what that means is we will go to somebody that we don't know in the room and say, hello, peace be with you, welcome. For others of us, it might mean we have to go to somebody in this room and apologize and say, sorry, 
I know we've kind of been at war. Peace be with you. For others of us, very practically, it might mean that we're normally huggers, but we realize, actually, that's about me, not them. I need to say hello with a handshake. For others, it's expressing that genuine warmth to somebody that we know we've been a little bit distant from for a little while. Peace be with you. And this is not just a kind of busy, fun moment. There's something beautifully Jesus-like as we express this peace to each other. So should we stand together? Please stand.